this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We didn't really have a lot of friends who had done it. We were unsure of, you know, is this the move? Like, how can you trust somebody with your most precious possession, your most precious gift, you know, as somebody that you barely know? But now that it's all said and done, I wouldn't change a thing. It was the best decision that we could have made. Hi, I'm Julia Dennison. And I'm Sean T. And this is We Are Family, a podcast from Parents Magazine. In this show, we celebrate all the different ways there are to build and be a family. Today, we're going to talk about something that's so close to me, IVF and surrogacy. If you listened to our earlier episode about how my husband Scott and I built our family, you know that we use an egg donor and a surrogate to bring our twins into the world. And it wasn't easy. It took a lot of trying, a lot of difficult emotions, and a lot of money to make it happen. If you missed it, you can go back to episode three to hear Sean and Scott's story and meet their surrogate, Ashley. You can also hear my colleague, Adrian share her story of using IVF to become a single mom by choice in episode eight. But we wanted to bring you some more stories about IVF and surrogacy. When you're going through the process, it may feel scary, intimidating, or even isolating. But it shouldn't be because you're definitely not alone. We have three great guests for you today. Candy Burris, who stars on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Dr. Robert Klitzman, a bioethicist who studied reproductive technology. And Catherine Levine, the president and chief digital officer at Meredith, which is parents' parent company, who's expecting a baby via surrogate right now. They each bring a different perspective to the conversation about IVF and surrogacy. Julia, I maybe date myself here a little bit, but when we do Candy's bio, you can't forget her days in the 90s R&B group Escape. Oh, for sure. And she's also a Grammy-winning singer-songwriter who wrote hits for TLC and Destiny's Child, like No Scrubs and Bills, Bills, Bills. Candy is part of a big blended family. She's a bio mom to three kids, including an infant a toddler and a teenager, and a stepmom to another daughter who's in her 20s. She met her husband, Todd Tucker, on the set of Real Housewives, where he was a producer. They conceived Ace, who is now three, via IVF, and welcomed new baby Blaze through a surrogate. Sean, have you seen Blaze on Instagram? She is so cute. And Ace is really cute, too. Oh, my God, I have. I saw this video where they were holding hands, and it was absolutely adorable. But before we talk to Candy about bringing those two kids into the world, we want to set the stage a little bit about infertility in general. So we asked Dr. Klitzman, who's a professor at Columbia University and the author of a book called Designing Babies, to give us some background. So 10% of women, for biological reasons, cannot get pregnant. There is something wrong with the ovaries or the uterus. And about 10% of men are infertile. They don't produce enough sperm. 
I do want to clarify, especially because we're a show that focuses on diverse families, that not everyone who produces eggs is a woman and not everyone who produces sperm is a man. Right. So while he's using these gender terms, let's remember that a transgender man can get pregnant, for example, and a transgender woman can get someone pregnant. Anyway, Dr. Klitzman says there are more people who are infertile today than there were in the past. And this is probably due to something in the environment, toxins, various things out there, pollution, we don't really know. In addition, you have women who, when they were in their 20s or 30s or early 30s, could have children. But a lot of women today are delaying having children in order to first pursue their career or education. And they're waiting until they're in their late 30s. And it's harder to get pregnant. More than 20% of the U.S. population is having infertility problems. And, of course, I should say you also have gay and lesbian individuals and couples. You have single mothers by choice, single fathers by choice. So a lot of people would like to get pregnant but need or have children but need some medical intervention. 20%. Given that statistic, it seems crazy that as a society we don't talk more openly about infertility. Exactly. So we asked Dr. Klitzman to walk us through some of the options to treat it. We have different medicines that could help a woman produce more eggs. Maybe that will help her get pregnant. And that helps a number of women, but not everyone. And so we've also developed techniques of uh, in vitro fertilization or IVF. We take a sperm from a man. We take eggs from a woman. We stick a little pipette up and extract eggs. And then basically in a Petri dish, we mix the eggs and the sperm to produce embryos that are one big cell. And that embryo then splits and becomes two cells, then four, then eight, then 16, then 32, and eventually becomes a human being. And all of us start out as an embryo of one cell. And what we do is when the uh, embryo is a bunch of cells, maybe 32, 64 cells, something like that, we then can implant, that, transfer that into the womb, and hopefully the woman, the pregnancy will take, and she'll deliver a child. Right. Dr. Klitzman says this process works about 40% of the time, but the success rate drops as the person with the uterus gets into their late 30s and older. Those aren't the only options because, of course, not every couple or individual who wants a baby has a uterus. Or if they do, they might be unable to carry a pregnancy. Which brings us back to Candy's experience with surrogacy. We caught up with her recently to hear her story. I will admittedly say that I'm fanboying while I'm recording this. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, we are so, so happy to have you here. Well, that's dope. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You've shared your fertility struggles on The Real Housewives from conceiving your son Ace through IVF and your difficult pregnancy with him to your recent surrogacy journey to bring your beautiful daughter Blaze into the world. Can you tell us more about that journey? That was a really tough decision for us in the beginning because we were just trying to figure out like, okay, should we do this? Is this the move? Like, how can you trust somebody with your most precious possession, your most precious gift, you know, somebody that you barely know. But now that it's all said and done, I wouldn't change a thing. It was the best decision that we could have made. Shadina, who is our surrogate, she had um, been a surrogate for a family before. 
So she was really kind of teaching us a lot of things where we were kind of unsure of, okay, are we supposed to talk to her on a regular basis? Do we not talk to her? Because, you know, some people say, oh, you're never supposed to talk to your surrogate. Oh, you shouldn't invite them to your baby shower. Oh, you don't do this. You don't do that. So we were like so confused on how, um, you know, this process should go. And she did. She really was so helpful. And we had a beautiful, healthy baby as a result of all of it. So we're super happy. We early on decided that we wanted to have a really strong relationship with whomever was carrying our child or children because we just feel like the less stressed they were and the more at ease they were in their emotional connection to us, the more they would, you know, care about the process. What were some of the things that you were nervous about and what are some of the things that she actually eased your nervousness about? Well, I think, you know, in the beginning, we just didn't really know about how much communication we should have. I mean, we had to do counseling prior to, you know, actually doing the process of putting the embryo in her. So we had that talk, but it's just kind of like, you know, once you're in it, it's just kind of like, okay, do we call her? I don't want to seem annoying, you know, but she always made us feel at ease. She always let us know that we never called too much. She never seemed annoyed. She never was bothered by us reaching out. She always volunteered information. She, you know, if she said, oh, I'm feeling a bump today or, oh, this, you know, this happened. As somebody who has not used a surrogate here, I would love to hear what are some of the comments that people made along the way? I know, Candy, you've talked about feeling judged for choosing to have Blaze through a surrogate. What are things that people can do better when it comes to supporting people who are having children through surrogacy? So in the very beginning, I had a family member who I love dearly, and I don't think she was trying to purposely hurt me. But when she found out that we were going to have a baby with a surrogate, she texted me and was like, you know, why would you want to do that? You know, uh, you're not concerned if you're going to have a bond with your child, because that's the time when you're really supposed to bond with your baby. And I think she might have asked, like, why did we choose somebody who wasn't a family member or something like that? You know, it really hurt my feelings because it's just kind of like you already know that it's a hard decision to make to go through a surrogate. But then, you know, you're making me feel bad because you're saying that I'm not even going to have a bond with my baby because being a woman who has um, birth my, you know, previous children automatically was a concern of mine. Like, okay, will me and Blaze have the same connection? You know, so I didn't need somebody else chiming in saying that, <laughs> you know, surrogacy is still very new to a lot of people. And so those are the first thoughts that come to people's minds is like, oh, you're going to have a baby and you're not physically going to carry a baby. Like, how are you going to bond? But what I will say is, when Blaze got here, I didn't feel any less of a connection than I have, you know, with my previous children. I still feel super bonded. When I come in the room, Blaze lights up. Like her smile is so huge when I walk in there. And so it's still the the same love, the same connection. We're happy Blaze is here and we're happy your connection is really strong with her. Candy pointed out that being public about surrogacy was different for her than for same-sex couples like me and Scott. In our case, there was no other way we could have had biological children. But Candy and Todd made their decision based on her pregnancy with ACE, which was already high risk. She had uterine fibroids that could affect her ability to carry another baby. 
If you are, you know, a woman who are, is having a physical issues and you may or may not share those with everyone, people don't really know what you're going through. So they automatically think, oh, she just doesn't want to have it for vain reasons. Oh, she just doesn't want to care because she's, you know, she doesn't want to use her, lose her shape or she doesn't want to stop working or she doesn't, you know, they come up with all these things to say why you needed a surrogate. You get what I'm saying? Totally. It's a difference. I feel like as women, it's like you're an open target for anybody to comment about your body, especially during pregnancy and anything to do with having children. And then I can only imagine on top of that going through um, having a surrogate and having to listen to people talk about it. Having already gone through the process of pregnancy and, you know, you talk about all the stages like waiting for the baby to kick. How did the two processes compare to each other? What were things that you liked about having a surrogate versus actually being pregnant? And what are things that you liked about being pregnant versus having the surrogate? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I think at the beginning of the um, pregnancy, I was dealing with a lot more guilt. You know what I mean? But then as we really got into the um, pregnancy, I'd say like a good six months and, you know, five to six months is when physically the woman starts to show that she's pregnant. You know what I mean? Okay. Six months in, seven months in, that's when I was really starting to appreciate my surrogate <laughs> because I'm like all the stuff that she's going through, like, whoo, she can't breathe. Mm. Oh, oh, this is the one thing that I really appreciated not having to do it. Well, I had heartburn, horrible heartburn when I was pregnant with Ace. And I told her, I was like, I don't know, you know, because, you know, obviously, you know, they're from the same batch of embryos, Ace and Blaze are. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if you're going to experience this, but with Ace, I experienced some really, really bad heartburn. And so she was like, oh, I'm okay. And I swear to you, it was like the next day or two, she was like, oh my God it's starting. You're right. And then she, from that point on, she had horrible heartburn for the rest of the um, oh my God. the pregnancy. You were like, I know, I know. Yeah. But <laughs> the things that I did miss was like, you know, you do miss the seeing the baby move for the first time, you know, in your belly or, you know, doing the pregnancy photo shoots. <laughs> or, you know, simple things, simple things like that, you know, that you miss out on. But um, I think because... I have experienced that already. It wasn't as bad. But once I got comfortable, then I started really appreciating the fact that she was doing the heavy lifting. (laughs) Fair enough. Finding the right person to do that heavy lifting can be challenging. We'll hear more from Candy on how Shadina came into her life after a quick break. Hey, folks, it's Hunter Lewis, editor-in-chief of Food & Wine. This fall, we're launching the new Food & Wine Classic in Charleston with our partners at Southern Living and Travel and Leisure, and we want to see you there. This incredible three-day culinary experience will showcase the hospitality, food, drinks, and culture of one of our favorite cities in the country. Join us September 27th to 29th to learn more from iconic chefs, share a glass with innovative wine experts, and get to know Charleston with one-of-a-kind experiences curated by the experts at Food & Wine, Southern Living, and Travel and Leisure. Tickets are on sale now at foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. That's foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. See you down in Charleston. Welcome back to We Are Family. 
We're talking to Candy Burris from The Real Housewives of Atlanta about her experience having children through IVF and surrogacy. She and her husband Todd used IVF to conceive their son Ace. After Candy gave birth to him, they wanted to have another baby, but continued to have issues trying to get pregnant. Ultimately, they decided to use the remaining embryos from their IVF process and a surrogate named Shadina to have their daughter Blaze. I love how you talk about Shadina and you can tell you're smiling. It shows the appreciation, which is so incredibly amazing. I want to kind of step back a little bit. What was the process like to find the surrogate? Because I remember going on all of these different websites and trying to figure out. It was kind of like Match.com. It was like the craziest thing. How did you and Todd find Shadina? We had been talking about it, but then I reached out to Dr. Jackie, who's on Married to Medicine. Um, She's also my gynecologist. And she said that she had actually delivered uh, a baby via surrogate, I guess a year prior or two years prior. And she was like, you know, I can introduce you to her and you can ask her questions. So when we had our first meeting, it was on um, camera She was so nice, so cool. And I just asked her, I was like, would you be open to doing it again? And she was like, well, I wasn't really planning to do it again, but mm, possibly. And so from there, um, you know, we just, you know, continued to talk to her and then we started the process. But um, I feel like it was like really such a blessing because a lot of people don't even get to have a surrogate that lives that could live in the same state with them. It's so hard to find the right person. A lot of times people end up having to get a surrogate that lives elsewhere, I guess, like you did. Yeah. You know, it takes a long time to meet the right person. So that's why I always tell people now, if you are even considering it in the least bit, start doing your research on um, agencies and different things now. So Sean and I have talked a lot about the strain on relationships when you're going through infertility and surrogacy and everything else. How did your relationship with Todd, how did you kind of navigate that? And what advice would you have for people in relationships? Well, when we first started dating or whatever, you know, we were having, you know, making love or whatever you want to say. (laughs) You know, after a while, obviously, we weren't really using protection. I'm just going to be honest. And nothing was happening. I mean, I wasn't getting pregnant or anything. So I was just like, okay, just not, you know, supposed to happen right now. And then we got married and it still hadn't happened. So I was just kind of curious, like, well, how is it that, you know, here's some years have passed now and nothing, not even a scare. And so um, my Dr. Jackie, once again, she suggested that we go get the test when they shoot the little fluid up in you to see like if anything is blocked or anything like that. Now, I assumed that he was going to be the problem because, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I have a daughter, you know, I'm good. Like That's Riley, Candy's teenage daughter from a previous relationship. Little did I realize, like, um, I did have a serious fibroid surgery, like, some years prior, and I guess they had left scar tissue. Candy's doctor referred her to a fertility clinic in Atlanta. Todd was supportive, but things got a little rocky when Candy had to give herself hormone shots to produce more eggs. That is a painful process to have to give yourself, you know, injections every day. You know what I mean? And I didn't feel like he was being as 
supportive as he should. So there were times during that period of time, because they want you to do it like at the same time every day or whatever. And I felt like, you know, he wasn't making sure he was at at home at the time that he was supposed to be every day. And I started getting a little pissed. But um, that was just um, minor in the full journey of it. You know, after that, um, he was he was great during the first pregnancy, you know, um, with Ace, where he was always massaging my feet, doing all those things. All that stuff was great. What advice would you have for anyone out there considering IVF or surrogacy? I would definitely say go for it. But the research is the main thing. And then just taking the leap of faith. You know, you just got to Trust and believe and just go for it. Oh, do you know that trust and believe are the tattoos on my arm? Oh, no. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I'm so (laughs) happy you said that. My doctor said the human or humans that are supposed to come into this world are going to be the ones that come into this world. Like, they were meant to be here. And during the time... You know, we had had a miscarriage and Julia obviously has experienced that. And it makes you feel better in a sense of just opening up your mind to like what is really happening here is you're bringing a human into the world. And it it was really tough. But after our kids were born, you sit back and you say, wow, like I can't see them being anyone else. So if it's if anyone out there is going through these journeys and it's tough, uh, just know that. You know, some people say God, people say the universe. There's a plan out there and the human that is supposed to come into this world, you know, will be coming into this world. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Candy. So nice to meet you. So great to talk to you. It was really nice meeting you, too. It was great talking to y'all. I love Candy. She's so open about what she's been through. And I think showing that on a major TV show is really important. Because when we see someone go through a process like IVF or surrogacy in the public eye, it helps normalize it. Exactly. That's one reason that I share my story. To normalize being a dad through surrogacy, being a dad in a same-sex relationship and an interracial relationship, to show people, hey, your family might look different than the other families you grew up around, but it's no less beautiful or worthy in any way. Right. And of course, that is the whole point of this podcast. And so next, we're going to check in with someone who's going through the surrogacy process right now and someone who also happens to be in the parent's family. That's Catherine Levine, and she is the president and chief digital officer here at Meredith. That's our parent company. Catherine, we wanted to get you on a podcast, obviously because you are part of the parents' family, but also because we recently heard you were expecting a baby via surrogacy. Congratulations. I want to say that first. Yes. Thank you. So I'll tell you this. Having gone through the surrogate process with my husband and we got our twins via surrogacy, I'm really curious to hear how the journey has gone for you so far. And if you could tell Julia and I a little bit about your your experience. Wow. Well, you said the word, which is journey. Yeah. Um, and for us, it's been a long journey. So I got married late. I was 40. And of course, my husband has two kids. And we'd always thought we were going to have a child together. But being 40, it was very, you know, very difficult. And I have to say, I had even frozen my eggs mm. years earlier. So even going through the thawing process and trying to do IVF via my frozen eggs was very difficult. And that that actually ultimately didn't work. And we tried a number of different facilities. And finally, 
decided to go the surrogacy route. And I will tell you, I have a number of friends who, like you, have gone through the process of surrogacy. And they always said to me, once you're there psychologically, it's a really beautiful process. But getting there psychologically is a personal journey. You know, for me, I'd always thought that I would be carrying the child. You know, I kept trying and kept trying, but it just didn't work. And so we were just ultimately forced to say, okay, either we're not going to have a child or we're going to go the surrogacy route. Um, and of course, there's always adoption too. And, and that's also another amazing option. We decided to go the surrogacy route. We found an agent or a, a service that helps match you with the surrogate. Our surrogate is in Missouri and she is wonderful. And it is just a beautiful gift that our surrogate is giving us. And she is so positive and so excited for us and so connected to us. It's just, it's a really beautiful thing. I love to hear that. My husband and I had multiple surrogates because we had to try a few times. Uh, so it was a journey. Yeah. But um, there's something really great about connecting with each of them, even though we only had one successful pregnancy, it was something really great about connecting with the surrogates because like you said, they are giving you this incredible gift and it's so selfless. Right. You, your husband and your surrogate or their family, how do you communicate? What is your daily you know, connection process to stay, yep. you know, so you and your husband can stay connected to the journey as well? Sure. So we ended up doing the transfer in December. So we were lucky in that we did it prior to this whole COVID situation. Mm -hmm. So we were able to meet with her multiple times and meet her husband in person and, and get to know them, which was amazing. And then uh, we were with her during the transfer. And then very quickly, COVID became an impediment to our being able to see each other, at least in person. So we text almost every day. We FaceTime all the time. I go to her appointments with her via FaceTime. Um, normally, I would have just gone on a plane and gotten there, you know, gone from New York to Missouri to see her and be with her, but it's just not possible given the COVID restrictions. She sends us these beautiful little cards that she and her kids make. Mm -hmm. So she's got three young kids, all below the age of six. And uh, the little ones kind of draw on a little card for us and she sticks the images in there and she tells us what week it is. And she's just beautiful, lovely, lovely, generous person. And so positive and so full of energy. I just wish I could be there with her in person, at least for part of this. But we're waiting for the time when that can happen. And uh, when are you due? And do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? September first, more or less. And it's a girl. I love Virgos. She'll be a Virgo. <laughs> Utilizing the surrogacy process can create lots of anxieties. And, you know, a lot of people go into it looking like it's a barrier because maybe they couldn't have the child on their own. Or for me and my husband, Scott, it was, you know, battling between adoption and, and surrogacy. And what would you say to anyone out there who is considering surrogacy and they are having some sort of anxiety or struggles or trying to decide if it's a route that they should go? I would say take long, deep breaths 
and continually do it until that momentary anxiety subsides. And then the other thing I would say is that, at least I find in life, anxiety is always worse leading up to the actual event, whatever that event could be. Once you're doing that thing, the anxiety typically fades away. And I'm using that almost as a metaphor for the surrogacy process because the anxiety that we had was all leading up to the process. Who are we going to find? What's it going to be like? Are we going to feel connected to this person? Uh, Are we going to feel connected to the baby afterwards? All of that anxiety is about the unknown. And as you move through it, more and more becomes known to you. It sort of reveals itself through the process. And through that process, at least I found my anxiety has subsided and it's become more excitement. And it took us a long time to get there. So don't be hard on yourself. Everybody has their own process for going through the journey and for getting to the point of surrogacy. But what can I say is that I wish I'd done it years ago. Catherine, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Julia, I feel like I could have talked to each of our guests for hours because the topic of IVF and surrogacy is so personal for me. And I always want to hear everyone's story and I want to hear all the details. Yes. And of course, there's a lot that goes into these processes that we didn't get into in terms of finances, legal agreements and more. If you're considering IVF or surrogacy, head to parents.com slash podcast for some good resources in our show notes. As Dr. Klitzman says, it's important to go into IVF or surrogacy with an understanding of what your success rate might be like and find a reputable clinic and a doctor that makes you feel comfortable and supported. And as Candy mentioned, do your research. And I have to say, if you're going through IVF or surrogacy right now, we are here for you and we're rooting for you. That's all for this episode. You can find Candy at Candy, K-A-N-D-I, on Instagram and see pictures of her beautiful family there. Dr. Klitzman's book is called Designing Babies, How Technology is Changing the Ways We Create Children. And thanks again to Catherine Levine at Meredith for supporting our podcast and joining us today. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on We Are Family. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Susie Armitage, and Lena Bexillison. This show was recorded in New York and Seattle, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at parents.com slash podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram, handle at parents, and you can follow me on Instagram at Julia Dennison. That's D-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. And you can follow me at Sean T. That's S-H-A-U-N-T.